the fan. The, the biggest takeaway is probably, uh, you know, just the, the people. It's a true love story for me with this uh, Viking franchise. And I just hope I gave a little bit back based on what I've gotten from them. And if, if we're, you know, 50-50 on the give and take side, then I'm ecstatic. Good evening, Vikings fans. This is Chris Corso from Vikings.com, filling in for Mark Rosen. And welcome to Skull Stories, presented by CenturyLink, the trusted technology partner of the Minnesota Vikings. Tonight we have a special duo of Vikings linebackers. Pete Bursich talks with Scott Studwell to discuss his time in the Vikings organization 40-plus years as a player and a part of the scouting department. Let's get right into it. 42 years of your life working with this club and the changes and all the things that you've seen. I think my main, my first question to you would be, what do you think of it now? I mean, you, you look at the, the transition of ownerships that the, that the team has had, to, you know, from Red, I was around for the Red McCombs into the Reggie Fowlers and then the Wilfs, but this, this facility that they've built, the way things are, the technology that's in this building. I mean, look at, uh, and you look at, rec- you know, scouting and college scouting and all the things that they have now. I mean, what goes through your mind when you come into this building uh, after spending so many years in this, in this league? Uh, you, you know, I, I guess it's, it's um, probably more than anything else. It's keeping up with the Joneses, you know, not, not literally, but uh, figuratively. I mean, it's, uh, this is the way this this game uh, in this league has has gone and grown, and you know the mom and pop shops don't exist anymore, and and that's what it was when I originally came here in 1977. Uh, Max Winter was the owner, and you know I mean it was they had a, the office building that that they were in at the time is a crematorium now over on France <laughs> Avenue, and I mean it's just. Fast forward to this place 42 years later, and it's phenomenal the way this business has grown. Does it make the job easier, though, with the technology and everything, or does it just give you more work? Oh, yeah, I, I think it's both. You know, it, it does make the job easier. I mean, the access that these guys have to to college tape and pro tape and, and you know, the – all the information that's out there that they can gather on their telephone, on their on their cell phone, on their computer, on their, you know, there were guys that were dragging around 16 millimeter, you know, tapes and, and, and you know, handwriting reports and filing reports and books and keeping them in a safe. And I mean, it's handwriting. I mean, I'm for when I first started in the scouting end, I was responsible for the draft board, so I I would handwrite every single tag. Um, it just took hours and hours and days and days, and now it's just you know it's a press of a button and your whole board switches. So it's you know it's it's all for the good. It's all for the for the betterment of the the game and the league. Um, but there's also you know there's there's a huge desire to have every piece of information on every particular player. And it's some, and then there's a lot of maybe some overkill 
grew up in Indiana. You played your college football at the University of Illinois. I remember going there as a recruit growing up in Joliet and sitting down in the in the lounge, and there's this big glass table that's etched underneath, and it had Dick Buckus, and it had you as well as the linebackers that have gone through the University of Illinois. So that's a you know don't don't play that down that the the the, the legacy that you have left there. Drafted in 1977 in the ninth round, pick 250, which that would be you know, somewhere around the seventh round today. Yeah, 14 right. years in the NFL, which is which is amazing. Two-time Pro Bowler in '87 and '88. Second team All Pro in 1988, inducted in the Vikings Ring of Honor, one of the the 50 greatest Vikings. Nine sacks in your career, 11 interceptions. But here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about every single. I want you to walk us through every single one of the 1,981 <laughs> tackles that you had in your that you had in your career. <laughs> well, number one, I can't remember any of them, and. and, and uh, there are days when I feel every single one of them as well. So, right. you know, it was just, I mean, that's, the game was different back then. I mean, as you well know, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, when I came into the league, people ran the football, you know, and, and, and uh, the, the spread offenses weren't in vogue back then. They didn't even exist, um, you know. So, I mean, it was, it was a different game. It was a different time. Uh, there were uh, I probably played against some of the best running backs that ever played in in the National Football League, which was certainly an honor for me to um, to number one play against them and number two try and tackle them. And, <laughs> yeah. and I missed them quite a few times as well. Yeah. But you know, so I mean, the game has evolved to the point where um, you know the players are so big and they're so fast and they're so athletic and they're you know I mean. I came in in the league at the right time, at the right place, and just got lucky. To be yeah. honest with you, so I, I you've you've talked about the game, and that's one of the things I I would be fascinated and could talk to you for hours about is how the game has changed, and you've covered that a little bit. How have these kids, and I call them kids, but they're young men that they're coming out of college into the NFL. How have they changed? And I know this this could be a day's topic right here. Well, I, you know, I think. Probably it, it it probably mirrors society as much as it does anything else. I mean, we were I mean back in '77, uh, you know, the league was the NFL was obviously the epitome of of playing football at at any level. Um, and it but there wasn't the there wasn't the fanfare, there wasn't the you know notoriety, there wasn't the you know I mean. I get drafted by the Vikings in the ninth round, and I get called by Patty Crow, who was the football secretary, and said, we drafted you in the ninth round. We'll see you in August. And that's the first time I saw him, you know, and that was right. the last time I talked to her. So, you know, I mean, it's just I think the the players today are so much more aware. And you were responsible for getting yourself in shape, right, oh, yeah. to go to camp? I mean, there, were, there, weren't, there was not a combine. There were not many camps. There was not, you know, I mean, it was – the first day I saw my teammates was the first day we got to camp. So, um, you know, it's so from that perspective, it's changed dramatically. I think these the kids are are more better prepared uh, than than they we used to be. Probably they're more informed. They're trained better. They're 
they eat better. They, you know, they take care of their bodies better than we did. They, you know, and not everybody, but, you know, it's, it's, but it's a, it's, uh, it's the same formula as in, in every year is, you know, it's the guys, it doesn't matter if you're the, the first pick or you're the last pick in the draft. If, if you come to camp and, and sometimes it's, it's good to be in the right place at the right time. And that's the way I feel like I made it, you know, and, and, but, you know, it's, it's all about hard work and it's all mm-hmm. about dedication and it's all about instincts and it's all about the work ethic to make sure you stay there. With all the technology that you talk about and, and there's so much more information about guys these days. I watched over the years people try to turn the draft into a science, meaning you got, if you want a linebacker, he needs to be 6'2, 240. He needs to be this, he needs to be that. Have we gotten any better at evaluating college talent than we did? 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago? Um, you know, I, I probably just because there's, there's so many more tools, uh, available to the, to the evaluators. Um, you know, they can watch, they can watch film on an airplane. They can watch film in their hotel room. They can watch film at their house. They can, you know, so they, I mean, it's, so from that standpoint, you know, the, the, the exposure that these players get, um, is is a lot greater um and they're you know not only are they getting watched by the the scouts and the coaches i mean there might be i mean we'll sit down in a draft meeting you know uh and and there might be 12 reports on a guy everybody's saying the same thing everybody basically gave him the same grade and you know so generally those guys you're not going to miss on those guys Mm -hmm. But those, a lot of times you're not going to be able to get to them either. So, you know, I, I don't think that's changed. I think, you know, the, the great players or the, the really good players are always going to, they're, they're easy guys to grade. You can evaluate a guy in, in a quarter and, 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 you know, conversely, the guys that can't play, you know, they basically show up the same way. It's, it's the guys that, They'd give it to you sometimes, and you know the flash players. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are the hardest guys to evaluate, and those are the guys that you typically miss on or you hit on. And you know, so a lot of times that's that's when those guys that that fall into the you know the mid rounds because they just don't give it to you consistently. Those are the guys that 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 a lot of times can make or break your draft. Great stuff so far from this pair of Vikings linebackers. We'll get back to some more, but first, the Minnesota Vikings and Miller Lite are proud to partner on a Salute to Service tour as we raise a glass to honor current and former military members. Join Mike Musman along with Vikings legend John Randall on Friday, November 15th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. at the VFW in Brooklyn Park. You could win Vikings Salute to Service apparel, get your picture taken, and more with John Randall. More Skull Stories right after this. 
legendary Honda Passport is back at Invergrove Honda. Since the 1990s, the Honda Passport name has been synonymous with adventure. Now it's back in a rugged and capable new package. The all-new Honda Passport is your ticket to adventure with a 280-horse V6 and plenty of cargo space so you and your crew can conquer whatever the next journey throws at you. Choose all the technology you want and you'll always get Honda Sensing Standard. Get the new Passport along with our courtesy care maintenance plan at Invergrove Honda. Invergrove Honda. Programs back. We gotta play football! Vikings Broncos, Sunday at noon, on the radio home of the Vikings, FM 100.3, The Fan. Chris Corso here from Vikings.com. Welcome back to Skull Stories. More with Pete and Scott Studwell. But first, join Paul Allen and Paul Charchian at Buffalo Wild Wings in Apple Valley on Friday from 9 to noon for Friday Football Feast. The feast is presented by Coors Light. Check out the complete schedule at Vikings.com and on the Paul Allen Show page at KFAN.com. Give me a couple names of guys that were surprises. Not and not necessarily maybe surprises, but people that guys that you drafted that became every bit, if not more, of what you thought they were going to be. Adam Thielen is the best example of you know, here's a guy that, that wasn't even on our radar. Exactly. He wasn't on anybody's radar. No. Right. He, you know, I mean he was he was um he was an unknown to basically everybody in the league until he showed up at a regional combine. Um, and, you know, one of our pro scouts, I think it was Ryan Munnins, you know, noticed him, thought he had a good workout, you know, brought him up in a meeting. Um, we followed through with some I, – I think we had an initial report on him, and then we followed through with a couple other reports, but he still was not a draftable prospect. Um you know, and we brought him in for a rookie minicamp, uh, you know, and, and the rest is history. You know, he he did enough in those three days to uh, <laughs> at least get his foot in the door. You know, so we bring him to camp. He's on a practice squad for a year. And then all of a sudden he's a, he's a terror on special teams. And now he's, you know, he's one of the better receivers in the league. So, I mean, it's just, you know, and, and – you got to give him a lot of credit mm. for taking that opportunity and and pushing it forward to to where he is today. So, what advice would you give to uh, a young you know a younger kid, whether it's in into high school and into college, and you know, because the way I see it as a, as a high school football coach, it's a trickle down, and you get noticed earlier and earlier and earlier, and because of all the scouting and the Twitter and everything else. Nothing happens in the dark anymore. There's no, there's no kid that's playing football somewhere in North Dakota that the whole country won't know about. But then again, we, as, as young men, they change so much. I mean, not just from high school to college, but even through college into the NFL. What advice do you give uh, a high school kid who wants to play, wants to be the next Adam Thielen? You know, I, 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 and I think it, it, this probably holds true for every single level of participation in football it, it's a privilege to play the game every day that you walk through these doors or you step onto that field you have to remind yourself that it's a privilege to be doing what you're doing and uh, I think if you take that approach you're going to play to the level of your abilities whether that takes you all the way to the top 
or whether that takes you just a little ways off the bottom, that's the way it goes. But it, as long as you recognize that, you know, I'm lucky to be doing what I'm doing and I'm going to do everything I can to the best of my abilities to try and stay here and play here. And if you're not good enough, you're not good enough. But at least you tried. Yeah, it and give you that to give it everything, you know, basically yeah. that, that my having that yeah. kind of a mindset. So adversity, things like that. You've, I know you've had tons of adversity in your life or things or people that have told you, you can't do this, you can't do that. How did you find the mental wherewithal to get through that? You know, when I was, I grew up and I grew up with, a, with an older brother who was a very good athlete. Um, when he got it, when he came to school as a freshman in high school, he was over six feet tall and probably 180, 185 pounds. Um, and I was a year behind him in school. So I came, when I got to high school, I was 5'2 and 110 pounds. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm just this little runt that, you know, and we didn't start playing football until eighth grade. Okay. So, which was fine, you know, yeah. and, and so I'm, I'm this little bitty guy and I, you know, and I'm like, you know, what the hell am I doing out here? So, but, but, it, you know, I just, I enjoyed it. I, I really enjoyed the game. I enjoyed being around it. I, you know, fortunately for me, I had a growth spurt in high school and I started, I got interested in lifting weights and early on in high school and I grew a foot and gained a hundred pounds. In, in high school, you know, and that, that helps, you know, obviously, but, and it, it, there's just, um, you know, I, I just think that, that, uh, my parents instilled the work ethic in me. Um, they were always very supportive of everything that our kids did, or uh, myself and my brothers and sisters. Um, but there's, there was something that, um, you know, the instincts just seemed to be there for the game. Whether or not, you know, and I don't think you can teach instincts. I really don't. Um, and, and you well know. I mean, it's, it's, I think you either have them or you don't. And I was just blessed with the instincts to play the game and, and, you know, the love to play the game and, and the, uh, the competitive spirit to do play the game. And so, you know, it just, Right place, right time, and it all worked out. And, I, and I'm glad you brought that up because one of my favorite memories of you, even though you know, and we, you know, we worked in the same building, we did some drafts together as you know, as me as a coach and, right. and you as director of college scouting. But we went out. It was, I believe, in Burnsville, and we were building a playground. And we were out there that day, and I just remember, <laughs> and you don't have to comment, but I just remember. Uh, it, the players and you know the front office. A lot of people were out there, and you were out there in your work boots, and you were digging. You had the sleeves rolled up, and you were working. And that's just when I saw that, I thought that's why, you know, like that's why the guy played for as long as he did. And when you say, and you, you know, people could say, well, the work ethic, this and that, but I think every chance you've ever had, you've stepped in that room and proved to everyone around you that yes, I am going to work and do what is necessary to get the job done. Well, you, you know, and then I don't think I, I, I guess I don't consider myself a, a, one of those guys that has always walked around with a chip on his shoulder because I just, you know, I, I, those guys kind of rub me the wrong <laughs> way a little bit, you know. But well, I think it goes back to leadership. And I, I in talking to the guys that played with you, that's the kind of leader that you were. 
not a vocal guy, not a bang mm-hmm. on my chest kind of guy, but just follow me if you don't know the tempo. Yeah, and it's just, you know, it, I'm I'm kind of a boots-on-the-ground guy, and it's just, you know, you, you go to those same playground builds, and, you, you know, you see one guy over there leaning on a shovel talking <laughs> to somebody, and you see somebody else over Like know, a union the, job. The no, same, same deal, and it's like, you know what? <laughs> I don't want to stand around and BS. Let's get to work. Right, let's get let's, it done. Let's get it done. So, all this, you know, forty-two years, forty-two years plus. What are the two or three things that you are going to remember the most in your times with the Vikings? You're, you're part of the Ring of Honor. You're one of the, um, I mean, one of the, the stalwarts of this franchise. Uh, what's what's the two or three things that you're going to remember most? Um. You know, I, I guess my the the biggest takeaway is probably uh, you know just the the people, um, all the all the people from you know from the the guys I played with and the guys I played against and and the people that I've worked with and the, all the coaches that have been mentors and, and and all the people that have affected my life. You know, and and I'm. Um, you know, I'm forever grateful uh, to this organization for not only getting me here, you know, but keeping me here um, and giving me the opportunities that that they've given me. Um, you know, that's I mean, I it's I can't say enough good things about all the people that have touched my life um, the last 42 years within the organization and outside of this organization and. You know, I met my wife here. I've raised my family here. I've got grandkids here. I've got, you know, so, um, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a true love story for me with this, uh, Viking franchise. And, uh, you will never hear me say a bad thing about this, this, um, organization. Um, you know, I've spent my adult, entire adult life here. Uh, to be honest with you, and, and I just hope I gave a little bit back uh, based on what I've gotten from them, and and if and if I've and if if we're you know fifty fifty on the give and take side, then I'm ecstatic because <laughs> the, you know they've they've made my life um, a, a lot easier um, the last 42 years and I'm forever grateful for what they've done for me. One last question. If you could do it over again, would you do it the same way? Yep. No doubt. Yeah. My, my wife, she gets pissed at me every day (laughs) when we talk about this, but you know, because of all the trauma and all the head injuries and all the CT and everything, you know what? I'd play for nothing again. I basically did for a long time. (laughs) Thanks to Mike Lynn. But, um, You know, I mean, yeah, I'd do it all over again. Um, I would play as long as I could possibly play. You know, I don't know if I could play in today's game anyway, but yeah, without a doubt, because it's it's been the greatest experience I think anybody could could ask for and and live.
Really fascinating interview between a pair of Vikings linebackers. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Skull Stories. Skull Stories is presented by CenturyLink, the trusted technology partner of the Minnesota Vikings.